Missionary Mindset. This is the podcast where we do a deep dive on all things missions in East Asia. This week, we're joined by Chris John. Chris is from California and grew up with a passion for surfing. We're also joined this week by Dale, our editor, who you'll hear a few times throughout the podcast. Dale and I traveled to meet Chris in person to learn about his surfing ministry, as well as try to learn how to surf for the first time. Unfortunately, the weather didn't really cooperate, so we didn't get to learn how to surf. I really hope you enjoy the podcast and learning about the YWAM surfing ministry. So I'm Korean American, born in California, but kind of lived all over the States. What made you come, like why Taiwan? Okay, why cool. did you Taiwan? Uh, so originally we weren't even supposed to be living in Taiwan. We were going to go be missionaries in China. We, we, at that time we were working with YWAM in Hawaii. I was there for like three years. That's where I met my wife. We got married there. And um, three months into marriage, we were like, we're going to go be missionaries in China. And we said, well, let's stop in Taiwan. Because I I had been to Taiwan two years previous. I had taken the outreach team here for like three weeks. And the, the YWAM base, they have this course called the school of biblical studies it's like a nine-month bible course i don't know if scott mentioned scott mentioned that because he said ywamers always ask where they did their course at or where they did um dts yeah dts yeah (laughs) so scott was my school of biblical studies school leader so i've known him since 2007 so we didn't even plan on doing the whole nine months we were just going to do three months and we already had commitment to go to Dali in China. And then we had another commitment. And so we came to Taiwan. And I know you'll hear about us doing surf ministry later, but on the airplane ride, and I've I grew up as I grew up surfing. It's like one of my life passions. And on the airplane flight from Hawaii, I don't know why I thought this, but I just was like, okay, God, I'm gonna be a missionary in China. Like, I don't care if I ever surf again, you know, it's okay. I'm just letting it go and stuff. And so, so yeah, we came to Taiwan and for our three months, we just thought, yeah, we know there's Chinese people in Taiwan. And so we can try to get a little bit of culture here before going to China and Taiwan's a little more open, like uh, with religion that we can learn um, more in that. And in our time here, I just heard a lot about people saying that Taiwan is a bit of a difficult place for missions. And that um, I even heard multiple people say that Taiwan is like a missionary graveyard. <laughs> and I don't know if you guys have heard anyone say that. Yeah, I've heard several people say that. I feel like a lot of missionaries think that Taiwan is difficult. Yeah. I think it's because of a mix of maybe like the culture here, more family oriented. Um, so it's hard to get into like the group to actually build a relationship with people. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like the culture is very, in a lot of ways, similar with Japan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not to talk about movies, but you know, movie silence. Yeah. And there's that part where the, one of the generals or something, is talking to the, the Catholic missionary guy. And he's just like, Japan's a swamp. <laughs> he's like, you plant a seed here and it just, it's not gonna grow. Yeah. 
and I don't know why I just felt like time. <laughs> I would say it's a swamp, but just understanding the difficulty. But I just I was I was hearing that a lot that people be like, yeah, a lot of people come here as missionaries. They only last a couple of years. Sometimes language, and then sometimes they just end up teaching English, which I'm not. Don't want to say anything bad about those that are teaching English. <laughs> um, and and then they're just saying how low percentage of Christians there are and they were like it's like two that time was like two to three percent and it's probably still yeah I think it's like four four maybe now yeah it's still pretty low though yeah and so I think the more that I heard that it it just I don't know if it was the Lord just nudging my heart but I I I started thinking like well I know China is a huge country that's also lost but at that time, I just was like, there's, I know there's a lot of missionaries that have gone to China. There's a lot of work happening there. And it just made me think like, man, I wonder if maybe we'd be here in Taiwan. But the, the, the struggle was that I had a heart for like unreached people groups. And so for me, like Taiwan didn't really seem to register like in that part. We were planning to go to China and then my school leader, Scott, he challenged us like, hey, why don't you stay the next three months, do the next uh, semester, quarter, of course. And, and I was like, oh man, but I'm already committed. And he's like, why don't you just go pray about it? So we went and prayed and we felt like we were supposed to stay. And then so like, we stayed another three months. And then after that was up, we were gonna get ready to go. And he's like, well, why don't you just, why don't you just finish the last three months? <laughs> You come this far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need this guy on my team. Yeah, so, and and I felt really terrible because I basically had to push or push my commitment with these people that we had planned on starting something together. So I talked to them. They were cool about it. So we stayed the rest. We finished off the nine months. And basically after that, we just didn't feel peace anymore that, like, we were supposed to go to China. But it also wasn't Taiwan. We just didn't know. And then, and then we did a kind of like a Bible teaching course in that time. And we did, we went to Mongolia for like two months oh, wow. on outreach to do Bible teaching. And that was like amazing ministry, man. Like the people were just so hungry for Bible teaching because it's a pretty new church. Like Christianity is pretty new there, like from after the fall of communism. And so like people were just like really hungry and sucking it up. And we just thought like, maybe it's Mongolia, you know, like maybe we should stay here. And, and so when we came back to Taiwan, we talked to our leaders about it. They're like, well, you don't want to just go because there's need. You want to go where God is leading you. And, um, and so we prayed and we didn't feel like it was Mongolia, but we, we felt like we should stay in Taiwan. And so we just said, okay, well, we'll start just studying Chinese. So that's how we, that's how we start Chinese learning. And, um, and so in my time, in, when I first came to Taiwan, I had some friends from Hawaii that were other YWAMers that had been here. And when I showed up, they were like, hey, Chris, did you know you could surf here? And I was like, shut up, dude. <laughs> are you serious? And I was like, I left my boards in Hawaii. And so I didn't know. And 
funny thing is that the first time I came to Taiwan, we did a trip from like uh, Taipei to Hualien on the coast. And I saw like, I saw the coast, I saw all these waves and what I thought would be good surf spots, but nobody was surfing. And so in my mind, just being naive and not knowing, I was like, man, it must be illegal here <laughs> to surf. It's like, why, why else would nobody be surfing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, if you like, if you saw all these sweet skate spots, yeah. no one's skating, like, it must be illegal and you can't do it. <laughs> so, um, so I just didn't think the second time I come that I would bring surfboards or anything. And, so my buddy told me where to go and I just jumped on the bus and I just, I'm, I'm just riding the bus until I start first. <laughs> and so basically a half hour out of Danche where we live, I came up to a beach and I saw all these guys out in the water I jumped out and I rented a board right away and just went out and surfed. And, and basically I, yeah, just, I started going to the beach often and, and I knew in America, like there's surf ministries reaching out to surf communities. And I just wondered if there were any in Taiwan. And I started looking up on internet, didn't find anything. Start contacting like other, a few different ministries to just say, hey, do you, you know there's a surf community in Taiwan? Maybe there's opportunities here. And, you know, they just all responded back like, hey, we'll pray for you. And, um, and I don't know, just like, started having like a little feel like a small burden for them and and just one day i remember i was i was on a bus ride i'd just gone surfing and i was riding the bus back home and i just was praying and i just was like god you need to send someone to like reach these surfers and then right away i just felt like you know if it was holy spirit or whatever like just a voice in my head was like, why don't you do it? And, and I was just like, no, I don't want to do this. <laughs> and um, so I don't want to do surf ministry. And, and my argument back, I just was like, I feel called to unreached people groups, you know? And then right away, I heard the voice again and just said, they're like unreached people group. And, um, and then I was kind of like, oh crap. <laughs> Can't, I can't really argue against that. And so I think that that really kind of started our my journey as far as of like the reason of like why we would stay in Taiwan. And the next thing I just was like, well, Lord, if this is what you want me to do, I was like, you need to talk to start talking to my wife about it. Because <laughs> I don't know if she's gonna agree. And um, and not only that, I had my own personal kind of like just thinking of churches back home and supporters of like, are they going to agree? Are they going to think like, oh, that's nice. Chris wants to start a surfing ministry. Really, you know, he just like, wants to surf. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's great. He just wants to play now. So, but, but that was it. That's how we ended up. Yeah. Basically, it's, yeah, staying in Taiwan. I think it's sometimes amazing, like, God brings it to a point where you're like, you were ready to give up surfing, but yeah. then he gave it back to you kind of to yeah. do as a ministry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how did, so have you always been surfing like since you were a little kid or like, how did you get into surfing? Um, yeah, I, I think I grew up, grew up in California. I grew up by the ocean. So we went to the ocean a lot. Um, I probably rode on a boogie board 
since I was like really little, you know, and then I didn't really get into surfing till like junior high school, like seventh grade. Okay. And that was, I lived in near in Northern San Diego and a lot of my friends surfed and I was a boogie boarder. And the funny thing, the reason I got into surfing was because there was a girl that I liked and her brothers were surfers and she always talked about them <laughs> like she just admired her brothers and I was like well I guess I need to learn <laughs> yeah I need to switch boards <laughs> I want to have a chance yeah so it's a pretty funny story how that happened <laughs> do surfers sort of like down on boogieboarders yeah oh for sure yeah no my yeah. friends would that's my friends would always rag on me for boogie boarding and I was like shut up I don't care dude. kind of like skateboarding it. with rollerblades rollerblades yeah, yeah. Boot grabbers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I mean, everyone probably has like that idea in their head when they think of like California, like surfing culture. Is like the Taiwan surfing culture similar or like? It's similar, but different. Right. And it's sim, I, and I think I've, cause I've traveled to a bunch of countries and seen, been in their surf communities and there's a, a lot of similarities in the countries of as far as the the surf culture is seems very similar and being like people who are just laid back just laid back fun i think surf culture is just like a, just people who want to have fun it's a very fun thing to do um, and very open to just like whoever and whatever and then obviously they'll go to the waves and stuff and, and it's different from, I feel like it's different from other sports because it is, surfing is, for surfers, it's, it's, it's almost like, it's not just an addiction, but like your life can revolve around surfing. Like I wake up and I check the surf report, you know, I want to see how the waves are and that'll, you know, dictate if I go surfing or not. I dream about surf spots all over the world. Nobody dreams about playing at a basketball court in Europe. Yeah, you know, things like that. It's a lifestyle. Right? Yeah, it's just like, a lifestyle, yeah. you know, talking about boards, equipment all the time. So that I see is very similar. But I think what I've, when in first coming to Taiwan, like surfing has, there's rules in the water. Yeah. We, we call like the lineup and there's, there's rules in, in America and in Hawaii. There's rules. There's also kind of hierarchy. But in, 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 in America and Hawaii, if you break those rules, you break that hierarchy, like there's consequences. And from either you can get yelled at to actually get beat up. And so there is like a really dark side of, of surf culture. Yeah. Um, and that's just kind of accepted as normal as well. You know, if someone breaks a rule and got punched in the face, other surfers will look and be like, well, he shouldn't have done that. You know, they won't be like, well, oh, that's so terrible. Like, they're like, that's his mistake, you know? Well, Taiwan doesn't have, didn't have that when I first came. And so it felt like, wow, this is maybe what surfing used to be like 50 years ago, <laughs> you know, where everyone is just like, it's just very innocent, fun. Everyone's just having fun, don't care about the rules. And it was a bit more wild and crazy in the water, like just messy. Yeah. But 
no one cared. It just was fun. And so it was actually kind of cool to have a taste of that. But it's chance, but now, because it's such a selfish sport, you know, if you see a nice wave and 10 people want it and they're all thinking that's my wave, like yeah, <laughs> not good things are gonna come out of you. <laughs> so so I've seen I've seen it evolving in the years here and it's just starting to look US culture. Any yeah, basically any other yeah. country where surfing's been there for a while. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, I've always been interested. I mean, I've never surfed, still have never surfed, <laughs> but I've always been interested in like the surf culture. Cause I've seen like, you know, obviously seeing like TV shows and movies and stuff about like the hierarchy. Like, yeah, you know, I, I kind of wondered if that was the same here. Yeah, it's no, it's not bad here. There's a few places, but it's, and the funny thing is, well, now there were some local guys that were pretty bad, but then they ended up starting like surf schools and things. And so nice they have to be now. nice to them. Yeah, now, <laughs> used to be scared of them, and now they're being nice to you. <laughs> it's kind of funny. But I think that's a really cool similarity with, I think, surfing and skateboarding and how the community works. Yeah. Um, in general, like, I traveled to Ukraine and then to Taiwan, and like, wherever I go on my skateboard, you can just jump in and be a part of that community. And it seems like it's like that with surfing. Yeah, too. absolutely. If they know you're a surfer, you all come in and right away you just catch up with the with the lingo and everything like so so easily. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I would say that's different, like different from most sports that I've ever been a part of. <laughs> I grew up playing baseball and, and you know, playing golf and stuff like that. Yeah, you don't just automatically get thrown in to play with people that you're as good as or <laughs> yeah. things like that. Like, yeah, it's definitely different. Have people, I guess it's going kind of back to what you talked about, like with your churches, have people like responded well to like the surf ministry idea? Like back home or? Yeah, here? yeah, like back home. Yeah, for over, over, overall, most people were actually pretty supportive. My in-laws are, they were missionaries in Cambodia for a while. And one of the churches that support us is also their sending church. And I, there was one time when the, basically the senior pastor was visiting my in-laws in Cambodia and basically said to them, you know, when is, when is your son-in-law and daughter gonna stop playing in the water and get serious with missions? <laughs> so <laughs> that was tough to hear. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be a little hard to hear. And that's I coming from more traditional Korean church style, you know. Yeah, just, yeah that's just how they how they how they viewed us, I guess. <laughs> There's a different culture within churches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially yeah. traditional churches. But I that was probably like the worst that we've actually heard. <laughs> but overall, most people are supportive, which is cool. Yeah. I mean, I know like last when I talked to Scott, like he really likes you guys and definitely seem to like be really happy with the way you guys are doing ministry uh, so i mean how's like the ministry in taiwan like how's talk about us yeah he did oh he yeah. did oh cool yeah we talked about you guys yeah yes. he mentioned you guys on the podcast he's like i know you're i know you're talking to to chris and then that, like in a week too right <laughs> yeah actually i am it's kind of the plan all right on. so yeah so i guess how's the ministry going here like how's it 
I know it takes a long time, obviously, when you first start an ministry that's kind of new to the island. Mm -hmm. How's it like, what did it look like when you started as compared to like, how's it going now? Yeah. Um, so when we first started, yeah, I would say it's the same, like it's tough because again, like the, the YWAM ministry that I was a part of in Danshui, like our main base location, they're doing mostly like training and just kind of English evangelism with the cafe that they have. And so there were not any other surfers and what we were doing, wanting to do is just very different. And so even though like they just were supportive of us, like it would just be kind of like, that's really great, you know, we'll pray for you guys. Yeah. And it's not like they felt like they could be involved even yeah. anymore because it just seemed real. I think it's a niche. Yeah. You're starting from scratch. Yeah. yeah. And so um, so basically in the beginning, my wife and I and I had our one-year-old daughter, our first child. Um, we got another young 20-year-old guy, American guy. We just kind of, I guess we were like our little team, trio team. We moved to Jinshan, which is in Northeast Taiwan, like near Keelung, yeah. over there. Um, so that was the first surf community that I'd been a part of. Um, Elon here is actually the largest surf community in Taiwan. And I, I just felt like strategically it'd be better to move to like the hub, the main surf location. But I don't know, just through prayer, we just felt like we should start in Jinshan first. So we moved to Jinshan and uh, basically to pioneer the surf ministry. And the, I mean, I knew some people, but I felt like probably the best way that I could meet a lot of people is if I somehow was able to serve like in one of the surf shops or something. So I just went to the, one of the surf shop owners, which is, he's a nice guy. And one of the first guys I'd met and rented a board from. And I just said, hey, can I just volunteer in your shop for free? You know, like I have a lot of surfing experience and I could help teach and everything. I, I offered to just be a free volunteer, to volunteer for free, which he thought was really strange. <laughs> and, um, sure. and, and actually a big part of the reason was because of our visa situation, like we're not allowed to, to make money yeah. Yeah, to receive pay. And so, and I, and I explained that, which I, I guess helped it. So I started working there and through that, I just met, like I met everybody yeah. basically because First, it would be like, who's this foreigner guy working for Kevin, helping him? And, and, um, and I had just finished like two years of language study. And so um, it just really helped building relationships too, being able to speak Chinese. Because the surfer guys, which I like, is they don't care if you could speak Chinese or not. Like, they'll just speak to you in Chinese. <laughs> they won't try to speak English. <laughs> yeah. They won't be accommodating at all. So it really like forced my Chinese to go. And, um, and so when we first moved out there, we basically kind of tried to, we didn't, because we didn't have any idea. I've never done surf ministry. I've done skateboard ministry, mm -hmm. but 
that was at a church meeting on it, you know, in the mini ramp, we would do Bible study in the mini ramp. And I didn't know if that's what we could do in Taiwan. Cause there's no, we didn't know any Christians that were surfers. So it was just basically evangelism. And so the only model that we had was from these guys in Japan that were running a surf ministry, Christian surfers, Japan. Um, we went and visited them like a year prior. We went to their, they had like a, Christian Surfers National Conference, and they had around 600 members oh, wow. um, in their ministry, and people that had not just grown up in church, but a lot of them got saved through the ministry, just from meeting on the beach, and, and so for us, we when we saw that, we are like, okay, wow, this is like a legit ministry, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and, um, and one of their I don't know, strategies or things that they did is they had this thing called curry night. And basically the guy, uh, Dave, his wife is Japanese. He's an Aussie guy. They would just open up their house every weekend and just cook up a huge pot of curry and rice and, you know, invite people over and, you know, food always attracts people. And so through those curry nights, they were able to build relationships with a lot of surfers so where a lot of them met the Lord. And so we thought, okay, we'll do curry nights in, in Taiwan and Jinshan. <laughs> so we started doing curry nights. And right away we learned that either it wasn't like you had this slow building of numbers and it was like consistent. It was always like we would have like 20 people or zero. <laughs> <laughs> I, I understand that. Everyone that's house. It's the just that group mentality. And I, yeah. I've just been learning it, you know, where so yeah. we invite people and then they'll talk to their friends. And if everyone was free, then they would all come and it was awesome. But if a couple of people weren't coming, then nobody would come. <laughs> I understand that. I, like we have a movie night type ministry. Oh yeah. Every Saturday night uh -huh. in our house, we'd have like we watch a movie, just hang out, like open our house, cook food or order food. Yeah, it's either like we'll have like fifteen people or like two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> all right. I guess I guess everybody's showing up tonight. <laughs> and order more food. <laughs> but when that happened, I will be. Like, Man, did I do something wrong? Yeah. Like, did I offend them? It's like, like nobody came. They hate the movie. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They hate our food. Was my curry bad? <laughs> no, no I, you're definitely right. This is definitely like that group mentality. Like everyone's checking of everyone else. It's like, I had so I don't know if everybody's gonna show up, but <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. sometimes in Taiwan too, it can be like uh, kind of intimidating to be like the only one to show up too. So oh, they yeah. might not want to be like, yeah. I think it's well, really I'm not awkward. gonna go if I'm just gonna be there by myself. I need, mean, yeah, yeah. Thankfully now, like we've been doing movie nights now for three years or oh, maybe yes. four years. Now we have like a solid base. Like yeah. we know, like three or four guys, three or four girls that are that are coming basically every Saturday, or at least a, of that group, several people will come, and they're okay if it's just them. They don't really care. Like they. But then when other people show up, they try to like make get them to come next time as well. So yeah, yeah, but yeah. I definitely <laughs> understand <laughs> the feast or famine, basically. Like either everyone or no one. <laughs> yeah. So there'd be times where I'm like, things are going great, <laughs> and I'm just like, oh gosh, our ministry's dead. <laughs> We're failing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I resonate with that a lot. <laughs> 
we have those same feelings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely different, I think. Than, it's definitely different than like American culture. Yeah. Like American culture, I feel like we're very big on like plans. If you plan yeah. something like two weeks out in advance, like you're coming. Yeah, but yeah. Here it's like, hey, what you doing this afternoon? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's so different. Yeah. And now a word from our sponsor. Taiwan Missionary Fellowship is a movement of missionaries working together to reach Taiwan for the gospel through a network of mission organizations, church leaders, national gatherings, training events, and resources. For more information, go to tmf.org.tw. What's like what's been your biggest surprise since you started your ministry? That we still exist. <laughs> <laughs> well, geez, biggest surprise. I I I would I would say, I mean, yeah, like I mean, I know it sounded like a joke, but I just think there are so many times like I wanted to just give up and quit. And 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 actually in Jinshan, um, so we lived there for three years and it was probably one of the hardest three years ever. And it, I think it just was like our, like um, it's very, the humidity was just, the wetness was really bad there. And even the winters are really rainy. And so like our house had really bad mold issues. I was getting sick a lot. And even one time we went on furlough when we came home. Like, I'm not kidding, dude. When I opened the door, my whole house was green. We had a friend, we had asked a friend to take care of our dehumidifier and stuff, but like, she just didn't do it well. And we basically, we had to scrap our whole house. Wow. We got, got rid of everything and just had to start over. And then one of my kids, he was born like premature, like by three months. So he was like less than two pounds. So he was in that, within those three years there, that was a pretty tough thing to just see my wife go through and have him being in the incubator for two and a half months. And I think, and it's funny, like the, our leaders in Danshe had seen just kind of the hardships we'd gone through. And even they were at some points, they were like, hey guys, you know, it's okay if you leave. Like you guys have done a good job. You've been faithful. Like, don't feel bad. <laughs> don't so, feel like stay. Yeah, yeah. So like if our leaders are saying that, yeah. To to me, I'm just like, oh man. And uh, and I think the hardest one that I didn't realize like years later was um there was actually one morning I was me and a couple of buddies were going out to surf. And one of our other friends had just come in from surfing. When, he, when we saw him on the beach, we just say, hey, what's up? The waves are good. And we're like, why aren't you surfing? We're like, why'd you come in? He's like, I'm not feeling well. And he's like, I feel like I'm having pain in my heart. And I was like, we were just like, are you okay, man? Like, do you need to go to the hospital? He's like, no, no, I've had this before. And we're like, are you sure? And he's like, yeah, no, you guys should go out and surf. So we just were like, okay, sure. And so like, we just got on our boards and we're paddling out. And as I'm paddling out, I just look back. I see my friend sit down and then he just kind of laid back. So I just thought he must be resting. And basically like an hour into surfing, we saw like an ambulance pull up and I just thought, oh, someone must have got hurt, whatever. But 
that friend, he just basically had a heart attack at that moment. And our other surfer friend came to the beach and they saw him laying there and the, the water was just kind of rolling up on his body and down. And they were just like, something's wrong. And, and basically, yeah, he died. They started doing CPR. And, and he's someone that I had known. It was basically, I'd known him for two and a half years. I was good friends with his brother. They were really well known in the surf community there. And the thing that I think hit me really hard was like, man, I was good friends with him, but I never fully shared the gospel with him, you know? And I think that just hit me really hard. And also the fact that it was like, why did we go surf? Like we should have just stayed with him, you know, it could have saved his life. And I carried a lot of guilt because of that. And because of that, I started to like kind of isolate myself from my other, from all the, all the surfer friends there and the surf shop that I worked with, that was like his best friend. And so like, I just, you know, I just carried a lot of guilt. And, and then after that, I had, my son was born premature. And it just was pretty, it was pretty rough. That's so after that, not long after that, we basically were just like, okay, I could, I could just like, you know, pull the bootstraps up and keep trudging forward. But it was just like, at what cost? yeah for how much longer and that's when we decided we should move back to the main base and try to get healthy rest some i wasn't actually what your biggest challenge was but like you just answered it <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, like what's been i mean what's been basically the highlight would you say of your ministry so far i mean obviously you'll have more highlights in the future but like when, when i say like what's your biggest highlight like what comes to mind first i think the highlight is um like being able to reform a team and move out here to Elon. And, and I think like, so coming to Elon has just been a totally like almost night and day difference from my other time. Like we had a bigger, we have a bigger team. It just seems like people's hearts open more and more doors have opened. We're just seeing more fruit, way more fruit than in our first several years of ministry, which is just a couple of weeks ago, I baptized a surfer at the beach, which is awesome. And now we have people in different parts of the island that also want to do surf ministries in different, like in Tainan, Kunding. And so we have a monthly kind of like Zoom, Christian surfers Zoom meeting of, with Christian surfers here and around the island. And we have around 20 people that join it. And just to see this group forming, it's been really great. And just seeing the reputation that we have now within the community with like the service that we do. I think people think well of us and they know we're Christian. They don't, they don't, sometimes it confuses them, <laughs> but it's just because that's the, how much little they really know about Christians, you know, that we're really a lot of times the only Jesus that they see. And it's pretty awesome. So in surfing, I assume like your ministry is very relational. Right? Yeah. It's all about building relationships and stuff. Yeah. So how do you make sure go from that relationship into gospel? It's a good question. I think sometimes like it's there's personality is a factor where Hoberio, he's he's just bold, like he'll just share, <laughs> you know. And sometimes we think like, oh, maybe that's a little too soon, too much too soon. <laughs> like we don't think he understands at all what you're saying. <laughs> and then there are some times where you could just 
have you dragged out the relationship too long and and then it gets hard to be able to share those kind of things yeah and um and and I'm, Scott actually said something good to me a while back where he just said, uh, he tried to use kind of like the parable of the sower, where he's like the sower, he scattered a seed, he just scatters seeds, you know, but sometimes we just focus on a few people and then he'll be like, um, you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket, you know, maybe you should try to scatter seed in other places. And I know probably church, in church planting courses, they'll call it abundant seed sowing, whatever, but um for me personally, like I basically in building relationships, I will just look for any of those kind of open doors to either they'll usually ask the best question they ask us is like, why are you here? That usually opens up a conversation. But here's the thing is like, say, say you did have an opportunity to share the gospel with someone, then what? You don't get a response. They're just like, okay, thank do you keep staying friends with them? You know, do you just move on to the next person? And so I think of what we've noticed being in Taiwan, that like, it's just a long process. It seems like for Taiwanese, whether it's just building trust in the relationship and slowly learning more about who God is, that it becomes, it's just this process of them knowing God through time and Although there are moments of where you might get like instant conversion, it, it seems more that more common that it's this process. But when they do get to that place of, we say conversion or commitment, like they're committed, you know, mm-hmm. you know, and their understanding of that commitment, I think is much stronger than what we would see like in America, someone like, yeah, I'm a Christian, you know, Mm-hmm. and doesn't mean much to them whereas for here in taiwan it could cost their family relationship like they're counting the costs here in taiwan i i think uh, especially because of how it affects their their family relationships so i i think that is probably one of the biggest hindrances but it also when they are able to cross that hurdle or whatever their commitment is way stronger because they've counted the cost and and they they see that it's worth it. So um, yeah, they know like I can't go worship at the temple anymore. Yeah. And they, ha- they really have to make a life a life change. Yeah. Unlike in the States where you don't really have to make much of a yeah. Yeah. One of the biggest surprises was when I lived in Jinshan, there was a one particular surf shop owner. And these guys party a lot. He's a really rough guy. And I befriended him. Um, and, you know, I, and I, I never really talked to him about the Lord. Um, and it just one day, I don't, this is after knowing him for a few years. One day, I just was in my, I went to just go do some worship inside my car, play guitar. And I get a phone call. And, and I, it's this guy, his name is Alan. And, Taiwanese guy and he's just crying and he basically I was just like dude are you all right man and he's telling me like he's like I want it he's like I'm about to kill myself and and he's like he's he's just like I'm afraid but there's I don't know who I could talk to you're the only person that I could think of you know and part of it is like I think the losing face thing with his friends yeah so immediately I just went up to his house you know just heard he he just opened up shared a story with me 
his dad hates him. He tried to commit suicide before and, it, and he failed. I just was like, just shocked that he would call me, you know, of all people where like, I didn't, I just thought we were acquaintances. And, and so I just took it like, gosh, he must've noticed something to feel like he could do that. And, and in that, like I was able to share the gospel with him and he said he wanted to become a Christian and stuff, but it just, I, I think it just shows that people are watching as well. You know, like maybe you're not saying things that they're watching how you live. And, and so I think there is an aspect of how you live shows Jesus just as much as your words can as well. Yeah. Our pastor, like the, the church that sent me and my wife, like he says that all the time in the States, like from the pulpit, he talks about how he's like, people are watching you regardless of whether you notice it or not. He's like everyone around you. Like he's like people that you go to work with every day. He's like, they're watching. Yeah. And he's like, trust me, if you fail, he's like, they'll point it out. But he's like, yeah. you never, if, you, if you're living the Christian lifestyle, striving to be more and more like Christ, he's like, people will notice. He's yeah. like, they'll come to you regardless of whether they know you that well or not. Yeah. He's yeah. on who says, like, preach the gospel always, and if necessary, use words. Yeah. Have you ever heard that? I haven't, but that's really Who good. is that? I don't know, C.S. Lewis or some other famous pastor. It's awesome. Yeah, okay. that's really good, actually. I, I, I do try to have the, I mean, I'll, I'll always like it because I look for those opportunities, which usually come up. I find that I actually do have a lot of opportunities to share about God. And it basically, I got to a point where like in the surfing community where I was, when I would be in the water, people would just, people would refer to me as like, hey, you're that surfing past me, isn't it? <laughs> like they, like I never said anything about what I do. And they're like, hey, you're that surfing pastor. You're that Bible teacher guy, you know? Like, so it's funny that I just had this reputation yeah, where awesome. people start calling me pastor in the water. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and having that reputation when people like, having that relationship with them when they do come across problems, like you said, they might they come to you and open up and yeah. when they're ready to hear and need help or whatever. Well, and I had a couple of people ask me to do their weddings. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. In the water? No, I mean, a couple, couple <laughs> surfers, they wanted like a Christian wedding. And so they asked me to do their wedding. And then, um, and, uh, and, and, and even um, uh, I did a surf contest, like, I did a few surf contests, but um, so that was a big thing in Taiwan, the surf contest culture. There would be a lot of money in it and pretty serious. And so I was like, well, let's do, a, let's do our own contest and make it really fun and chill. And so, um, and it was still called Christian Surfers Contest. And after I did that contest in Jinshan, another surf shop owner from here came up to me afterwards and was just like, hey man, I really like how you do your contest. And, I like the vibe of it. Like, could you help me do one here in Elon? And we could still call it Christian Surfers. He's not even a Christian guy. You know? <laughs> so I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. And so like we did the contest here. And that was when the tsunami had hit Japan at that time. And I was able to share about what Christian Surfers were, were doing in Japan, like helping with tsunami relief and stuff. And so just, yeah, just looking up for these opportunities where, you know, you might not necessarily just be sharing like, okay, Jesus is the only way, but there's just other ways where you're just getting, you know, Jesus in there.
Well, guys, that's it for this week. Really hope you enjoyed learning about Chris and his surfing ministry. If you're interested in keeping up with Chris and his ministry, you can find him on Instagram or Facebook at YWAM Elon. Special thanks to our guest, Chris. As always, thanks to Dale, our editor, Nelson, our producer, and you, the listener. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you get a moment, please subscribe, rate, and review. That's the only way more people find out about our podcast and more about Missionaries in East Asia. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can at tmfccg at gmail.com. Once again, we hope you enjoyed the show. Bye.